right, guys. Welcome to another edition of the Tiskin Podcast. Uh, this is going to be a kind of a different tack today. Uh, Mike, we are kind of going through our wish list here. Yeah, well, I figured that uh, the last one was kind of all like serious business, so we're going to have some fun with this one. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so before we jump in and have, uh, have fun with this, um, anything surprising jump out in the last week or two with the meta? Um, Anything you've noticed that uh, is worth talking about? Um, me personally, uh, not so much. Uh, we both played a little 40K over the weekend, so I was, of course, um, had some observations there. One, that Space Marines are still not fun to play against <laughs> pretty much anyone. Uh, but uh, I don't know. This. Not a whole lot going over here in Casa de Mike. Well, I tried three Lord Discordants this past weekend. And I think, uh, actually, I tried two of them. Yeah, 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 the two of them. And I built a third. So that should tell you how good they did. Um, <laughs> they, were, they were fantastic. Um, I definitely think if you run them, uh, they can definitely work really well with uh, your other demon engines or mm. even with Zinch. Um, I'm currently running them in a Scourge detachment, and I'm really liking the synergies that I get with um, the demon engines being able to be Zinch demons. So I get you know stuff like the Changeling and Psychic Powers and you name it that can target it. Uh, reroll ones for my demon prints. So it's a lot of really cool things that you can do there. And I'm starting to really like kind of like narrowing down on running just more Zinch units and getting away from like souping more where I've got corn and Zinch in the same detachment. Yeah. So your list uh, definitely seems very solid um, with the inclusion of the scourged as allies for your thousand sons demons. And we will have an episode coming up. Uh, I'm going to San Antonio next week. Uh, so we will try and have an episode done uh, before then so that we can talk a little bit more in depth about what to expect at the tournament the list that i'm going to bring how i'm bringing the scourged all that kind of stuff so yeah stay tuned all right so last last time we met we talked about this idea that there's a bunch of different things that we've kind of kicked around the ideas of for thousand suns and we kind of took a week to just kind of brainstorm on our own what we think would be kind of like good updates to the codex to kind of maybe bring them into the current eighth edition uh, state. So we've each kind of come up with our own, I guess, enhanced version of the thousand suns codex. Yep. Uh, so I thought I would jump in. Um, this will probably give us uh, a plenty of things where we can uh, probably just kind of, hit on a few of these things, but jumping straight in, um, obviously there's some things that when I looked at this, I kind of said, let me try and take a focus of getting it to being thousand suns and a little bit more or less like primarily the Zangors with some thousand suns. So it's this, the changes that I make are much more in that context to get those units onto the table. So First up, one of the changes that I ultimately decided to do, um, and we talked last weekend and just kind of tried to get an idea of like where each, each of us were on this. And um, I think we 
when we talked, I didn't plan on making any changes to like psychic powers or stratagems, but I did find a couple things in here where I was like, you know, this would be a lot better if it did this. So I think the, the big <laughs> thing, the big thing I started with was um, the Inferno Boats stratagem. Now, when you use that on a vehicle, it upgrades all of the applicable weapons. Yeah, a- I uh, do believe that that'd be a much needed uh, change to that stratagem because currently it's just not very good. No, I mean, just one weapon. That's, I mean, mm-hmm. very, very narrow in its use. Um, yeah. But there's also some other things you'll find in here that uh, I, I think uh, will kind of work with that a little bit. Um, one other one that I also made uh, that is probably worth talking about before we get into the unit changes. Um, Demon Forge is the other one. Now, oh, okay. I thought about this, so I decided to make a one-point and a three-point version. So the one-point version allows all of your, or one of your demon engines to reroll failed hits. And I think wounds as well? Yeah, uh, reroll hits and wounds. Okay. For a single phase. So my balancing of this might not be very good, uh, but my thought process was to take Demon Forge and make a three-point version of it that picked a demon engine and then all other demon engines within like six or nine inches of it also got the same ability. So kind of like in a way behaving a little bit like the relic of Cadia where they can reroll failed hits and wounds against chaos. Well, demon forge then allows you like, if you've got a pack of demons, um, they have pretty big bases. So, you know, you're only going to get so many packed together. Um, but if you do decide to do that, it kind of gives Thousand Suns who don't have access to the Chaos Space Ring stuff kind of a little bit of a function there to, to help them out a little bit. Maybe three points, you know, thinking about it might be a little bit cheap, but, you know, th- that's just a, a matter of, hey, we, we up at the five or four or whatever ends up being the right cost there for, for that kind of thing. But. Yeah, um, I don't know. Demon Forge is currently one of, in a very odd spot in regards to strategies because it's so good you want to use it all the time but you can only use it on one thing at a time so the units that rely on it um, very much suffer without it and let's get into the units then yeah so we'll start with the hqs we'll walk through um we'll walk through what i have changed here um basically uh and then we'll just kind of go through the 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 different types of units here in the same order that you'd find them in, in your codex. So starting with HQs, um, the Aramon and Demon Prince are completely unchanged. I did not touch them at all. In fact, on top of that, the regular Sorcerer and the Terminator Sorcerer, again, I just left them completely unchanged. They're pretty dang good right now. No reason to mm-hmm. you know try and fix what's, what's not broke. Um, I have one change coming up on the Exalted Sorcerer. Uh, I actually, um, actually two changes. One minor change is that I've opened up the Exalted Sorcerer's weapon options uh, to be very similar to that of the regular Sorcerer so that he can take, you know, Power Fist, um, you know, all sorts of great war gear, that kind of thing. And I just kind of feel like there's no reason if he's, even though he's a little bit of a hybrid, you're still paying the price for the unit. There's no reason he shouldn't be able to say, oh, well, you know, Power Fists are beneath me. You know, I only take four staves. Yeah. I do sort of feel that the um, change to only being able to take equipment that comes in your box um, sort of cheapens the game 
I, I miss the days of you can kit out your character however you want. Right. And uh, it sort of opens up conversion material there. Now, kind of in reality here, I'd be very ha- fine with Games Workshop revising what options are out of the box for Thousand Suns and then yeah. sticking to that box. That'd be perfectly fine where if they just say, hey, you know what? Thousand Suns shouldn't really be carrying power fists around. That's cool. But give us, a, give us some other options. And even from just a hobbying and modeling standpoint, it gets you, it gets you some creative options there where you can you know, make some really cool looking dudes. Yeah. He does have one additional ability. Um, that he's going to pick up, uh, but we're going to come back to that ability before I review it. Uh, <clears throat> something special there. So the first new unit of the entire codex that I'll, I add is actually a sorcerer, uh, but he is in the Osirian Dreadnought. Uh, so <laughs> he is, I thought about, I, I really wanted to get the Osirian Dreadnought rules in the codex and i thought about it from you know a fluff and a reality standpoint of how you could make that happen and if you think about it as like an elite it's kind of a hard thing because he's kind of competing with the hell group for that spot and then i realized yeah. you know one of the guys i really liked is the the dude from the menatars who comes in a you know a syrian pattern dreadnought armor and i i thought the same thing i was like you know what why don't we just make it so that it's a sorcerer and he comes as a, an Osirian dreadnought and he's like been, you know, serving after death in his, in his dreadnought armor, um, you know, just as a sorcerer. So he, he costs, his base cost is a hundred points, which is right about the cost of a regular sorcerer. However, um, once you tack on all the other stuff, uh, he basically uh, comes out to about 144 uh, if he comes in his base configuration, which has two of the death claws with two Inferno combi bolters using the current prices for that. So he's going to run you about 150 points. Now, keep in mind, he's targetable. He's going to be 12 wounds. Um, I gave him a couple extra wounds and made him leadership nine versus the regular contemptor just to kind of offset the fact that he is going to get shot at. But uh, at, his, at his current state, he can't hide like a demon prince. So in my opinion, he shouldn't cost what a demon prince costs, and he can't quite move as fast, uh, you know, can't fly, can't get over terrain, that kind of thing. Doesn't give bonuses to rerolls or anything like that. Um, I did make a couple adjustments to um, what he can uh, take for his weapons. Uh, he doesn't work like a Hellforge Contemptor, so you know, he shouldn't really be walking around with Butcher Cannons. He shouldn't be walking around with um, you know, some of the soul, soul Burners or anything like that. But what he can take are uh, basically your standard, you know, your twin autocannon, your twin heavy bolter, your twin last cannon, your ectoplasma. And here's the kicker. I also gave him an option where he can take two twin soul reaper cannons and a twin soul reaper cannon is simply two soul reaper cannons glued together. Uh, It's heavy eight strength five minus three AP one damage a piece. And you can take two of them. So, but remember, that's only 24 inch range on that thing. So you kind of pay for a little bit with the points. So if you think about taking two of them, uh, that's 40 points. So at about 140 points, you've got a sorcerer that can cast twice, deny once, um, and then he's got he can basically walk around with two Gatling cannons more or less on his arms, uh, which is a really cool thing. Um, but he's not in a way overpowered. Uh, he's about 150 points to bring him. Does have a five up involve, but 
you can target him. So a couple good last cannon shots on that guy, and you can pretty much just take him right off the table. So he's he's a little vulnerable. Okay. I mean, definitely getting the Assyrian Dreadnought <laughs> into 40K proper would be much appreciated. It's such a cool model that uh, the fact that they haven't made rules for it um, outside of 30K is sort of a shame. Now, you could probably go a little bit further and, and get a little bit more of the, like, the – the actual special blade that they come with and yeah. that kind of stuff. But um, I would expect that of GW, not of, mm-hmm. not of David taking a week to think through this kind of stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. So that, that rounds out our HQ changes. So it's really just a couple. There's one we haven't revealed yet, um, but we're going to get that, that right now. So troops, uh, Zangors remain unchanged. They're pretty good. No reason to mess with them. Um, cultists, 4,000 suns, I am reducing their point cost back to four points. They don't have any of the synergies, any of the bonuses, any of that kind of stuff that you can do. However, I did decide to add a one-point stratagem for cultists for chaos, or for 1,000 suns, and it's not really too crazy. It's just a really nice little thing that they can do. So what you do is you, you spend one command point at the start of a psychic phase, and for each mortal wound a Psyker suffers, and a Thousand Sun Psyker suffers from perils of the warp within nine inches of your cultist squad, roll a d6, and on a three up, you can allocate that mortal wound to the cultists. That's it. Yeah. So you basically just have cultists, but for a command point on that phase, if you're going to put out a bunch of stuff, you can ablate those. Now, the catch, the catch is you have to do it at the beginning of the phase. It's not the kind of thing you can just decide at the end to do it. So it's kind of like the cultists have to offer themselves up to say, we will help you, you know, whatever, do these psychic powers this turn. And yeah. I think that kind of helps take the edge off that being a little too crazy. Mm-hmm. So the main thing that I changed here, um, rubric Marines. I decided to completely change all his dust. It no longer works with plus one to uh, your save. What it actually works like, like are Necron warriors, uh, their reanimation protocols. So it is real simple. Um, roll a D6 for each slain model, and on a five up, they get back up at the start of your turn. Um, and the one other change I made to the squad is rubrics can have um, a single Soul Reaper cannonet for each five models in the squad. So at five, you can have one, and at 10, you can have two, and then that just scales up from there. Um, no point changes, nothing like that. And I guess you can kind of think where I'm going here, where with the Exalted Sorcerer, he gives plus one to all his dust rolls within six inches of him. So you could have Rubric Marines getting up on fours within six inches of him. Now, if you think that's too crazy, Think about the fact that Necron, a squad of 10 Necron Warriors costs, um, they have AP1 guns, they have about the same range. Um, I think they have about the same toughness. They're almost very similar profiles to Rubric Marines, um, but they come in squads of 10 for 100 points, and ours come in squads of 5 for 100 points. So as much as that might look like it was pretty crazy, I think for, for the change for that, it's actually... Uh, pretty dang powerful, um, especially if you you know think about like mortars hitting your rubric marines or things like that, where um, you can hide them in terrain and then they're getting back up the next turn. Um, obviously, that change is also going to apply to Scarabacult later on, uh, which I also made a couple small adjustments to. But um, that's that's pretty much the main core change to this. And I think at the end of the day, that you'd you'd see rubric marines on the table left and right. 
What are your thoughts on that? Um, I don't I <laughs> actually don't really like cribbing off of Necrons, mostly because they're Egyptian themed, were Egyptian themed. I just it be kind of um I guess we lose our moral high ground if we started, you know, taking their copyrighted stuff after we already sent them our cease and desist order for cribbing off of our, you know, entire look. Okay. Fair enough. I get the, uh, I get the, the, uh, what is it? The, the shellacking for unoriginality here. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think this kind of goes in the, in the realm of, you know, a lot of people have made a really good suggestion of having a psychic power or something like that, that revives them. And maybe that's a little bit more your original. So, I kind of look at it like, just give them the ability. You know, so personally, not. I think rubric, if we're going to make a change to rubrics, just the quickest, easiest change would be to just give them a second wound. Touche. But we will get to your codex in a minute. We, we will. <laughs> so let's just get through the rest of this real quick. So elites, uh, Hellbrutes are unchanged and Zangor Samons are unchanged. Again, both of those are pretty good right now. Um, Scarab Occult Terminators, we just talked about Rubric Marines now having reanimation protocols. Um, I give the same to the Scarab Occult. Um, however, I also give them the ability to replace their Power Sword with a Force Sword. So um, for another four points per model, you can take a Force Sword with them. My argument's always been they're imbued by the Sorcerer. They have the ability to hold them, you know, they should just have that ability, that innate ability as the Terminators, as the elite in the army to be able to carry those weapons. So force, force swords would give them a little bit better, uh, better output in combat. Um, while at the same time you're paying for it, you're up, you know, they're going to still stay really expensive, that kind of thing. But then you're kind of getting that ability to, to regen. Uh, chaos spawns. Uh, one little thing I decided to do on the Zinch, what I would do is change all of the chaos bonds if it were me and I would just give them the applicable trait that you tend to see on those units. So like Zinch has a five up in bone, uh, the Nurgle ones would have a five plus feel no pain, you know, on and on like that. And, and just kind of dole those out to the different, um, armies. And mm-hmm. I would just basically give our chaos bonds a five up in bone. Nothing too crazy. Just gives them a chance to save, uh, Zangor enlightened, uh, one little change I did make to them is I give them basically the Alpha Legion trait naturally. So they have minus one to hit from range attacks outside 12 inches. Um, really, it's just to kind of give them a little bit better survivability on the fact that they are very, very easy to just take right off the table. Even Not even small arms fire, just decent firepower can just take them right off the table. So that, mm-hmm. I think, kind of takes that off where, yeah, it can help a little bit. And if you really want to, like double down on them as a strategy. You can throw Glamour Zinch on them, make them minus two to hit, um, give them a four up in bone, give them a six up field of pain with the changeling around them, you know, all sorts of little tricks like that. But kind of feel like as them as our only true fast attack option, they really should have a little bit better survivability. So heavy support. This is our most wounded area in the codex. So now keeping in mind that Rubric Marines are kind of my goal to get back on the table. They have reanimation protocol. You want to get them in your list. All right, so the Land Raider is probably one of the first things that's got to get a fix. Um, What I've done is I've decided that the Land Raider can now take, uh, in Thousand Suns, they can take two twin Soul Reaper cannons on each Sponson. 
And then they have the addition to also take uh, a turret version of that. And I think about like the guys you see kind of like on the um, repulsor that are up there with one of the Gatling cannons, very similar to that. A guy can basically on the front of the, the land raider or on one of the hatches up top, they can mount a hatch version of the soul reaper cannon. Um, so you essentially can get five soul reaper cannons on a land raider. Everything else pretty much stays the same cost stays the same. It just gives it better weapon options. Um, and I think if you're taking some terminators with that and you want to hide them, well, you've, you've got some options there that you could do something like that. Um, the Predator pretty much gets the same thing. I also reduced its points cost to 75 points of base so that once you take it with the auto cannon and uh, you're starting to, to build them up, uh, they're 150 points to start before you've done anything with them. Uh, and then if you throw a couple heavy bolters on them, they're 135 points. I think the key here is I, I make it relative to the Contemptor Dreadnought a little bit more competitive there. Um, you're not really getting too crazy there points wise, but it's enough to, to make it make, put it back into a slot that's reasonable. Um, again, that one also pretty much any of the Rhino chassis vehicles, I decided to give the, the turret option for the soul reaper cannon, um, which is basically just an eight point upgrade that you can do on each of them. Uh, the vindicator also gets the same thing. Um, I reduced the vindicator to 105 points base. Uh, so that way, um, when you start with that guy, um, and, you know, before, before you throw anything like combi bolters or anything on there, it's only about a hundred and a hundred points, 105 points for that thing out the door. Um, he's not getting a crazy upgrade either. Um, his cannon just stay, uh, changed to a flat heavy three. Uh, but if he doesn't move, it changes to a, he can basically fire twice, uh, is how that'll work. So um, it's either heavy three or heavy six, depending on what you're targeting. Uh, heavy six being, you know, a big a big mob of dudes, um, <clears throat> and that's really it. So that you know, I didn't want to get too crazy with that because it is a T8 vehicle. Um, you can kind of get a little carried away with that thing. Uh, Defiler unchanged. It's a pretty good model. Forge fiend uh, reduced his base costs to 80 points. So with the Hades auto cannons, he comes out to 128. Um, pretty much the weapon options are exactly the same. Uh, Mauler Fiend, I also reduced to 80 points just to keep him in line with the Forge Fiend like everything else. This is probably one of the things I'm least confident about uh, just based on the fact that the Mauler Fiend is pretty good today. And if I were to reduce his points further, uh, even though I did to keep him in line with the Forge Fiend, it, 128 points with the Lasher Tendrils might be, might be a little bit too cheap. But you know, we're not getting too far away there because it's like 132 today. So we're only about four points off, I guess. Uh, and then the Mutalith is the last thing. Um, his cost doesn't, ch uh, doesn't change. However, I changed his enormous claws, which today are um, AP, I think it's AP2 and damage 2, uh, yes. to AP, AP3 and damage 3. So we just kind of put it more in line with the Mauler Fiend. It doesn't have the strength the Mauler Fiend has. Uh, but it still has the AP and the damage now. And then his sweeping attack gets a little bit of an improvement. It stays AP one, but it becomes damage two. So he can go into like a squad of Terminators or something like that and actually have some stuff do some damage at that point. Uh, and one other little fun thing I thought with him is I said he should explode on a five up rather than a six up. Um, just a little thing where he's kind of like this unstable, you know, 
beast of zinch energy. Um, he does have a literal warp portal on his back. So I mean, yeah, I kind of felt like, yeah, that probably is probably needed. Um, the Hell Drake got a big boot, uh, point reduction. He's down to a hundred point space. So if you take him with just the um, the the auto cannon, I think he comes out to one hundred and thirty seven. And I did give him an ability called uh, Demonic Agility, which is minus one hit to hit with ranged weapons. Um, so he, he basically just still stays the same for the most part. Um, just kind of gets a minus one to hit. Basically my thinking with him is bring him in line with things like Crimson Hunter X arc, some of the other stuff that's out there. Um, give him kind of a little bit of a chance to survive. He still has that same wound profile, which I think is maybe a little bit low, but um, just kind of, just kind of helps him a little bit. Um, and, I mean, you still you you can't take more than three of them, so you're not gonna you're not gonna get too carried away with that. Uh, Chaos Rhino stays the same again. It's a Rhino chassis. It gets the Soul Reaper Cannon upgrade. So it's just kind of a if you look at it, the the Marine aspects of everything in the army got upgrades for the most part. Got either point reductions or ways to bring more of the really good stuff that we just don't have a way to really use today. Uh, and then the last thing, uh, Big Red. So I hemmed and hawed on this one. I decided to reduce his overall point cost to 400 points. And I also added a special stratagem. Um, basically for three points, uh, what you can do, it's called Kind Shield, and you use it at the start of a phase. And it basically is for each wound Magnus the Red suffers, roll a d6, and on a two-up, you can allocate that wound to a friendly Rubric Marine or Scarab Occult Terminator within six inches. So he can't, if you think about it, it helps with his ability to survive. But at the same time, Rubric Marines and Scarab Occult Terminators, they're not at all as fast as he is. So if you want to advance him up the battlefield, it's going to be tough to keep the rest of those guys with him. So it's one of those things where you might have to like warp time your rubric Marines up just to stay with Magnus's base movement, um, which gives you a, a way to kind of like ablate some wounds. So it lets you kind of have your rubric Marines or Scarab Occult Terminators um, work as um, ablative or bodyguard wounds there. And I felt like it was, if we were going to have something like that, it, it makes it different than just giving the bodyguard rule to the Terminators. Um, and it doesn't get like, uh, it's three points and you got to do it at the beginning of the phase. Um, so someone could just basically decide, well, I'm not going to shoot Magnus. Um, or, you know, even at the end of the day, you, you can't use it on stuff like Zangors or stuff like that. So um, it just kind of is like, you know, the, the Rubric Marines and the, the Terminators kind of be in there to, to kind of shield Magnus from any damage. So, and just to kind of do a real quick list on this, I took um, basically two battalions um, and a super heavy auxiliary. Uh, and obviously Magnus is in there. Um, but what this list, after you've been able to make this kind of change, this is kind of what you can run. So I've got, um, in the first battalion, I've got Aramon and an Exalted Sorcerer. And then I've got uh, basically a 10-man squad of Rubric Marines, a 5-man squad of Rubric Marines. Um, and both of those squads have Soul Reaper Cannons in them to the, to the most that it can take. And then I've got a big blob of 25 Zangors with the Brayhorn. Um, I then also have a five-man squad of Scarab Occult Terminators, uh, which basically have everything that they can, but they take four swords. I have a Mutalith Vortex Beast to go with the Zangors. Uh, I then have, in my second battalion, a Sorcerer in the Osirian Dreadnought, 
and then I have a demon prince with wings and the warp bolter. Uh, then I just basically have three squads of uh, cultists. And uh, so basically at that point, you've got a good amount of bodies on the table. You still have a bit of a, like eliteness to the army, um, but you have the way to keep Magnus alive. And then you've got some other stuff in the army that can kind of work with it. Um, it doesn't, I guess it doesn't take too much advantage of things like the land Raider or, you know, some of the changes I made to like, you know, forge fiends or Mahler fiends, those kind of things. But um, it's really just to kind of show that with a little bit of the edge taken off in a couple places um, and giving a little bit of an advantage to some things, you can actually take a, a list that today would be pretty fluffy and pretty fun to run, um, but would kind of falter on the table just because while well, Magnus could get blown off the table, um, you'd have some other stuff in there where, you know, they're just not going to, they're going to be a little more lackluster. So it just kind of ups the punch on some of the stuff to, to where it can, you know, kind of earn back some of the points that you have to dump into it. So, and that's it. All right. Well, I also, of course, have gone through a couple of different ideas for mostly new units, though I think we agree that some of the units in the codex definitely, uh, could do with some help. And so uh, I guess going, just going through the same format of uh, unit types. Um, so started with HQ. I personally um, really liked the uh, Prospering Guard from uh, the Horus Heresy. And so I personally think that as much as, yes, the Thousand Sun Sorcerers and the Exalt Sorcerers are the, like, the main psychic backbone of a... Thousand Sons Army, they also do in fluff uh, use just human psychers. And so add in a Malefic Lord style HQ as a sort of a pet occult leader who leads your cultists. Um, effectively, just a cast one, deny one psyker with cultists stat line. Uh, maybe one better ballistic skill, uh, basic weapon options, and uh, obviously access just to the Hereticus powers. Um, pretty straightforward, about 80 points base, I think. That's the thing with the ports. Malefic Lord is currently statted as. Um, but I think that'd make a fun alternative if you wanted perhaps a even cheaper HQ option. Uh, but then I think the Exalted Sorcerer um, does actually, there's an ability that I uh, miss from having from 7th edition. It wasn't great, but um, and I think it's currently supposed to be represented by the Curiscating Beam Stratagem, but um, I missed the ability to have them call down land strikes off of their orbiting silver towers and blap things off the table once per game. Yes. A personal uh, favorite ability there. Um, moving on, uh, I actually don't have many changes for the troops choice. We both agree that the um, Soul Reaper cannon should be a one Soul Reaper per five models in a Rubik Marine squad. Um, as much as I hate Zangors, they occupy a good role in the Codex. And uh, Cultist, with the changes to Cultists and just how obnoxiously good Guard are, um, I do think that they could be four points in the Thousand Suns Codex, especially. Uh, moving well, on, though. The other, uh, the, the other only thing I was going to mention there is that even when they were four points a model before they upped them to five, and it was more we got punished because Chaos Space Marines got punished. Yeah. 
it wasn't like we were seeing cultists at every thousand suns less like as an auto take. I mean, you still had to run Zangors and they're, you know, by, for what Zangors do, they're still the better option there. I mean, they just fit that role a lot better. Yep. So um, onto the leech choice though, um, with uh, the introduction of the new dark apostle and his little buddies that he fought has fallen around. I thought it'd be really cool if Thousand Suns got a similar least choice of psychic thralls who are little helper guys, one like that operate in the same way. Effectively, they come in like a tune man unit that they carry some psychic relics around to help their masters uh, cast their powers. And so the idea being that they'd be fairly cheap, have a sort of that same fake character rule that the uh, Dark Apostles guys get. But um, they carry a item that I'm going to crib off of the Carrick Acolyte item off of Age of Sigmar that would effectively, once per game, you can consume the relic and it doubles the range of a single Thousand Sun Psychic Power. Um, I think that adds a lot of synergy and, of course, make the unit a psychic unit so it allows you to synergize with um, the uh, stratagem that allows you to add two to your psychic tests. And I think it'd make a sort of a neat unit to throw into the codex. Oh yeah. So I could treason of Zinch from 24 inches essentially. Yeah. Once per game uh, using this unit's uh, item. Cool. Yep. And then um, on to fast attack. As much as I don't like Zangors and I can't beat this horse enough. Uh, I understand it's really hard to think of another good fast attack unit for thousand sons. Um, that, that the army has always had slow and purposeful. They aren't fast. And as much as I dream of the idea of like a unit of aspiring sorcerers on disc, just sort of trolling around casting smites at people and other such nonsense. I understand that's never going to happen. So um, I'll just chalk it up to my bucket of things that I'll convert and use as something else. It would be but, cool to have, you could do like rubric Marines on discs or something like that. Uh, yeah. So I do actually have a counter proposal to your Zengor enlightened uh, ability. So personally Zengor enlightened are probably one of the most offensively powerful uh, units in the codex. Um, just their ability to pump out wounds at a very high rate um, is excellent, um, even compared to other codices' ability to deal damage. Um, and so I think up the minus one is a little much, just all the time. However, I think that Zengors should have the option to one, uh, advance and uh, charge, but two, whenever they advance, they take minus one to be shot at. The uh, the reason why I point I suggest this is it gives you the choice of um, well I guess actually they're, all their their bows are assault weapons so they can advance and shoot them and if you have a shaman nearby you still get your auto wounds on sixes to hit even after you advance yeah. and so I think that is a little more of a reasonable proposal that yeah, uh, I would also I, I would see. This. I would see that too. That's probably a little bit better, more of an elegant solution to that. Yeah, I like it. Um, but Chaos Bond, I think, should at least have a 6 of invuln save. Um, at least for Thousand Suns Chaos Bond. Uh, they are marked by Zinch. There's just no reason why they don't get any benefits from that. So derpy. 
So derpy. I do love them though. I actually have an entire list where I use chaos spawn. It's beautiful. So beautiful. Anyways, uh, moving on. Uh, so to the uh, heavy support choice, uh, that's where I have the most say on units. Um, so the chaos predator, um, I actually, the only changes I have for it is I think that they should give the thousand suns chaos predator options that are somewhat in line with the ball predator, mm. um, that, uh, blood angels get so effectively they can take a twin linked soul reaper cannon as their primary armament and then yeah. two soul reaper cannons as their side armaments so effectively yeah. just a ton of uh soul reaper cannon shots going down range the other weapon option though is and this is a weapon that is underrepresented in every chaos codex is the bale flamer as a primary armament hmm um, again, that's so the uh, sword, the uh, blood angels get a equivalent weapon. Um, I don't see any reason why Thousand Suns wouldn't put a powerful flaming weapon on one of their main battle tanks. They and like fire. A, make it like a nice AP two two damage flamer. No, no yeah, yeah. Uh, just nice elegant option to setting things on fire. <laughs> uh, the Chaos Vindicator, uh, unfortunately, is currently trash garbage. I, uh, I, I, I like, like it in theory, but it's not reliable. Um, so personally, I think they, the options are either to just flat out increase its die size all the time to a D6 or allow it to roll the number of times it fires twice to pick the highest. Uh, unfortunately, the whole D3 thing uh, is just it's not... A reliable method of dealing with them because you get the d6 or 3d6 and just, just too much randomness there i mean i granted we are zinch we love random things but come on yeah there has to like when you're spending 200 or i wouldn't say 200 but you're spending up a good 125 130 points on a model in your army mm-hmm. you, you can't have that be something where it might work whereas the rest of everything you know that hey i i know what i'm getting out of this unit yeah. I think you might have alluded to a little bit when we talked, I think coming out of LVO and the the difference between the variability on things like even obliterators um, or yeah. mutilators for that matter. Um, mm-hmm. And that the reliability just isn't there and they make up for it where they just, they start the stats at such a good spot that it doesn't yeah. matter what you get. It's just icing on the cake to get those extra higher rolls. And I don't know if they could do that with the Vindicator, but it, <clears throat> kind of seems like we're thinking kind of along the same lines there that they yeah they have to increase the shots or they have to rethink like the profile for that gun a little bit yeah and then for the chaos land raider the um, terrible box of doom uh, I like the um the, your uh, suggestion for the sword cannons however I think they should also have the ability to swap out their sponsor weapons for bale flamers um, the imperial equivalents get a ton of different uh, the flamer options as a sponsor in addition to their last cannon and hurricane bolter options. Mm-hmm. And so I think that uh, the ability to just have some flame on your land raider would uh, go a long ways to making at least me want to take it. Cause I like fire. Yeah. Um, but uh, otherwise the uh, land raider I think is a little pricey at the moment and uh, could probably go down some points. Uh, so I have a suggestion for Lord of War, but I'm going to leave that for last because it's uh, I love that thing, 
and I want <laughs> oh, to uh, make sure I cap off my particular discussion on it. But I actually, I like the idea of the kind shield um, that you discussed, though I think the your phrasing on it was a little clunky. Okay. Um, and so I actually had a counter proposal again. So the kind shield, the way it should work is, um, are you familiar with the uh, guardian uh, stratagem for craft worlds where they can give a unit of guardians of warp and Uh, You might have to remind me on that. Okay. I don't remember the exact name, but there's a stratagem that craft world Eldar can use on the unit of guardians to, for a command point, give them a four-up influence save in response to being shot at. So the kind shield, I personally think, should be used again at the start of an enemy shooting phase once per game. Pick a unit. That unit gets a plus one to its saves, like all saves, equivalent to the number of friendly Thousand Sun psychic units within nine inches. Hmm. To a maximum of a two plus. Once, this is once per game, mind you. The idea being that whenever um, the Space Wolves bombarded Prospero, their kind shield just completely blocked all that. Everything around it died, but Prospero remained. And so this is a smaller version of that. So would I, in theory, if I'm here, if I'm following kind of how you, how you do that, you'd have it so that I can pick any Thousand Sun Psyker, right? Yeah. And then every Psyker model or unit within, unit within nine inches of that Psyker okay. adds one to that, that unit's uh, invuln save. So basically I'd, I could take Magnus and then mm-hmm. I could have maybe two or three Rubric Marine squads keeping up with him. Or yes. let's say it's the beginning of my, the game and I'm not going first. I pop Kind Shield on the shooting phase. Magnus, let's say I have three Rubric Marine squads around him. Magnus would get plus three to all his saves? For that one shooting phase, yes. Wow. Very, so we'd probably make it three command points because it is an extremely potent ability effect for you. Deny your opponent's ability to delete that one unit. Yeah. But I think it's fairly fluffy and would go a long ways towards encouraging either more larger, more expensive units uh, as opposed to the current meta of just, all right, I'm going to bring as little as possible and then I'll deep strike these things. It's like, so Magnus never sees play because he's just dies turn one. If you don't go first land mm-hmm. raiders never see play because they're, well, they die turn one. If you don't go first and are <laughs> kind of garbage anyways. Sure. Um, and I think that this would allow, encourage you to bring some of these larger centerpiece models um, and have some defense if you are going second. Right. Cause later in the game, it's difficult to leverage it because uh, you're generally more spread out, but early in the game, it's very potent. The only other thought that occurs to me is the fact that Magnus seems to be the guy that suffers the most from that problem. And yes. I remember that back when the index came out, their thing was they reroll ones on invuln saves. Yes. And to me, it felt like they went from him being kind of balanced where he had great psychic output, but then he kind of buffed everybody around him from a defensive standpoint. So he's very balanced to help out the army versus like it's in the codex. They just shifted him much more offensively. So now with him losing all his defensive abilities or anything to kind of defend himself, basically 
it's almost like from that point, he's just been useless. Yeah. They, they almost like that change while, while good for him in his offensive output made him unusable in the army as a, as kind of like a consequence to it. Yeah. And that stratagem is sort of designed to patch that. Yeah. The other uh, point of that stratagem though is have you ever seen anyone take a 20 man block of rubric Marines? No. With that stratagem, it's actually doable. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) I guess so. Although that would only be one unit. So you would only get like plus one from the unit. So I'd still be better off taking multiple small units, right? What I mean is though, so you take a couple of small units, like you Uh you have your sorcerers and such, and then you have your big block of 20 up front. If you're going second, so if you're going first, it doesn't matter. You just uh, block medicals to your rubric Marines where they want to go and you just shoot something off the table. But um, if you're going second, you kind shield your rubric Marines. You have a couple of psychers nearby, so they get plus two or plus three, and then suddenly they're not getting blapped off the table before they get to do anything. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. And then you, of course, then proceed with the Dark Matter Crystal or the Warp Time or the whatever and uh, have a good time. Now, without getting too into the weeds here, do you think if they, if they allowed the demon stratagem for deep striking to be applied to anything, uh, anything demon, um, that that would be unreasonable? Uh, personally, I do. Most because not because of Magnus himself, because it allows you to do such things like deep strike uh, Lord of Skulls. Sure. Which, while funny, stretches credulity somewhat. <laughs> <clears throat> so, the main reason why I say that is that the, the one of the things that makes the Lord of Skull not necessarily overpowered is that you have at least a turn or two to deal with it before it gets in your face and just kills all your dudes. Okay. But if he just showed up, what are you going to do? Well, what if they scaled the command points the same way as they did with the rest of it, where now it's like six points to deep strike something with a power level over 20 or something like that. Yeah. Though with the, uh, addition of the, um, uh, uh, the Corsairs being able to bring, a very, very cheap battalion and get a ton of command points for it's not necessarily a huge impediment there. If you were building the list around that gimmick. Right. As much as the, I, 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 that build a deep strike, any demon unit, regardless of codex was funny. I don't think it was very well balanced. And so I actually was not sad to see it go. Okay. So counter question then, would it make sense then for um, Webway Infiltration to then work on any thousand subunit? Yes. So for one, uh, I can deep strike any unit, and then for three, I could deep strike any two units. Yeah, I completely agree with that particular like interpretation of that rule. All uh, right, Games Workshop, make it happen. I mean, Eldar <laughs> can bring vehicles out of the Webway. Why can't anyone else? Yeah, exactly. All right, and then the capstone of my entire brainstorming thing that I did just now was 
a new Lord of War. Something back from uh, 40K Epic that used to have a model and have rules even in modern 40K, but never got a model for uh, oh, proper 40K, is the Silver Tower. Ooh. It's a mobile fortification that floats around and shoots sorcerous laser beams at people. And you can channel psychic powers through it to do bad things to people. I'm not going to go too far into what its rules should be, but it's such an iconic piece of Thousand Suns lore. And yeah, I just, I would love for the, the silver tower to actually be added to the game. Thinking that would like, be awesome. Yeah. It'd be pretty awesome. It'd probably function very similar to the Noctilith crown. Um, well, remember it moves. Uh, actually, I, I figured yeah. it, it uh, operating similar. It's like sort of if a Noctilith crown had a baby with um, like a Necron monolith. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, the fact that it moves is just its, it's profile. I mean, you could technically write rules to say, hey, the Noctilith crown can move, even though yeah. its model doesn't look like it can. It's just mm-hmm. it's all in how you model the thing. But yeah. uh you know, for, for whatever points you feel ends up balancing it, you could make it so, you know, it re-rolls psychic tests. Um, I guess it boosts invuln saves, you know, or re-roll yeah. ones from invuln saves, something like that. Mm-hmm. So that would be very cool. Yeah, no, I very much would like to see that added to the game. <laughs> now, I don't know how you're going to be able to bring that into your army, though, like if it's a fortification, um, unless you can summon it. And if we're going down the route of, where games workshops going with it. They're all of like the corn and slanesh stuff that they've been, that they've been rolling out all has like a, a fortification or like a, a terrain feature they can summon. And yeah. if you get something like that, I mean, it's, it's within reason to think that that could be coming. Yeah, definitely. And, um, I, I hope it somebody sees play, but, um, I don't know. That's uh, pretty much what I've got. Uh, so the themes, the themes I kind of I'm hearing is that there's some obvious things like there's some obvious low hanging fruit around stuff like infernal bolters and something to help with protecting units. There's probably other ideas. I mean, you talked about with Rubric Marines giving them another wound. Um, that might be yeah. a good idea. Um, although I get worried whenever I get into things like changing the actual wound and stat profiles on stuff, kind of why I stayed away from that because you can kind of get into like this nebulous interconnected spaghetti of, well, now you're relative to these models, your point cost is out of whack kind of thing. And yeah, you can certainly get into these weird scenarios where, well, why does this cost this? And that doesn't cost that much or from mm-hmm. this other army, that kind of thing. But I like the idea that they could get a couple of wounds, but they get, they got to do something for rubric Marines themselves um, to just from a, I mean, despite the fact that I hear that they are amazing uh, in competitive play right now, I, I don't know that the pure rubric Marine strategy is something that anybody can in the world just pick up and pilot on the table to, to victories against, you know, 20 Eldar flyers or whatever. Yeah. So uh, the other thing about rubric Marines currently in competitive, what makes them amazing, I guess, is not their ability to actually participate in the game though. Um, like when Matthew Ali used them to win at Dallas, he 
as you said, he never fired a shot with them. He just used clever positioning and the fact that they're stupid hard to kill to sort of control the board and win the missions that way. Which, granted, that's a completely valid way to win the missions, but it... That's a hard thing to pull off. It's hard to pull off, and it's not necessarily very interactive. I wouldn't consider that to be a fun way to play myself. Yeah, um, and I think that the proper balance is finding the making a unit that's fun to play with, but still able to be viable um, in achieving a mission, and that's yeah. the hard thing to sort of deal with. I think that kind of makes it. It, it kind of shows that when you're playing an army like Tau, um, mm-hmm. and I know, okay, there could be some Tau fans that are listening to this. To be fair, I'm not shunning your army, but I am saying that. Most people acknowledge the fact that Tau can pretty much just sit in a corner and win the game. Yeah. More than any other army in the game. Uh, maybe guard. Maybe yeah. guard. But Tau and guard tend to be very sort of passive. They pick their portion of the table and they hold that portion of the table at least until the very end of the game. I mean, I yeah. don't think anyone can really deny that that's not the predominant way that those armies are played. Yeah, so you look at the the ways you have to play some of the other armies, and you know there are certain armies that just for someone who is just getting into 40k, like that takes so many other aspects of the game and the interactions out of it that you have to learn. Where an army like Thousand Sons, on the on the flip side, you have to pretty much know every aspect of the game, every yeah. every interaction, like how the how the fight phase works, the psychic phase, the shooting phase, kinda I guess, but mm-hmm. that's pretty much the easiest phase I think to pick up. And yeah, I think that, well, for tournament play, especially finding a non-interactive list is actually the way to go if you want consistent wins. Um, and that's why you see Eldar flyer spam be such a thing is that you can't interact with it. It just sort of hovers around and shoots you until either you win by objectives or they kill you. Right. That and with their flying ability, they can kind of get within, you know, the right distance of your, your mm-hmm. characters. I think the real downside just specific to them is just their movement. You know, I was yeah. playing in my, in my test game this weekend, I was playing against uh, a list that had at least six of them. And yeah. just the fact that I damaged one down to like its lowest tier and it was still kind of like, Oh yeah, I can go three quarters of the board still. It's like, yeah. what? why that doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess the other way you can kind of counter some of those things is, add more terrain to the game. <clears throat> yeah. I, I do think that, um, so games workshop does not currently have any guidelines for how much terrain is appropriate for a game. Um, and it neither used does, to be 25 neither does ITC yeah. for, for the tournaments and stuff. They don't, they don't do that either. So it used to be that if you took all of your drop terrain and you pushed it all together, it should cover about 25% of the table. And then you of course spread it out. So you have equal coverage mm-hmm. um, and I think some of that has sort of faded away as the additions have gone by and especially like the new games workshop terrain for instance uh, unless you're actually on the train it does nothing um, and ITC is much the same and so the terrain it doesn't do as much as it used to be except for like a couple of niche examples like the magic boxes yeah and I also find that people kind of neglect the rules the intricacies of some of those rules like with ruins um where your troops can <clears throat> fly, they, they have to be next to the wall to move up 
Yeah. Where I've seen some people try to say, well, I, you know, I've got my guy on the edge. I'm just going to hop down. And it's kind of like, well, hold on here. You're trapped on the edge. You can't just hop down. You have to be against a wall to go down. Yeah. Like you have to move over and go down or like, it's not kill team where you can, you can drop down and then suffer a fall test if it's from a certain amount. Yeah. But, um, in even some of the other trains, like the Mechanicus stuff, where if you look at how high the pillars are, and then they have kind of like the the um, the joists that hold the the walkways in place, you have to be next to one of those joists in order order to get up the ramp and get up to to stuff. And all those little things are they're great rules. Um, they're yeah. easy to remember, but it it kind of gets neglected when you never have enough terrain on the table. And I kind of it's kind of my gripe right now with tournaments where the ter- there are some that do a good job of getting terrain out there. And even at LVO, despite the fact that there was, there was a disparity in some of the tables, you, you do have situations where like, you know, this actually is a really good setup. The, the, yeah. the amount of ruins you have or the line of sight blocking you have. Um, I'm not definitely someone who has to come out and say, I need to be able to hide Magnus on the table. I think that's the kind of thing where, you ought to have, like we talked about, uh, you know, the stratagem work with him and just yeah. put him in the web with, you know, for that mm-hmm. matter. But there should be, I think, at least a couple terrain pieces at a minimum per tile. And usually if you use the GW tile system, there's six tiles for a standard table. Yeah. And each tile, I think, should have a couple of terrain features and at least, you know, four or five major terrain pieces on the table where it's like a, a good chunk of ruin or something that has multiple floors that I can get into. Um, I can move around. I can hide my guys in that kind of thing. So. Yeah. No, I think we're in agreement that terrain needs to uh, be a little more prevalent, not enough to, you know, completely prevent shooting of course, but at least enough to actually make it a little easier to cross the table. If you mm-hmm. uh, you definitely touched on it. If they just come out and put a guideline of here's how many pieces need to be of just a, a rule of thumb. Yeah. That gives us a tournament something or the tournament organizers something to kind of shoot for and say, okay, that's the standard we'll meet. And mm-hmm. then, you know, even from just a balance standpoint in the game, when we start looking at how things are progressing, those kind of things, you might find that, Hey, these armies that are really good um, when there's no terrain on the table, like your really heavy shooty armies suddenly degrade and are not quite as good when there's terrain they have to interact with and they have to move around to be able to get lines to, sh- to shoot it at stuff that it could have a very, very big impact on the game. Yeah. No, I, I fully agree that there should be more terrain. Uh, I th- the, the, again, much like unit design, getting a, the right balance is difficult. Well, so I'll, give them that at least yeah for sure well we have um we have the uh the castellan nerf kind of going into into play here do you think um (laughs) do you think we're gonna see more tanks like less of the stuff that's kind of on the sideline because it'll just get blown off the table turn one by it i I don't think so um the hundred point cost to the castellan while on one hand it's 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 a hundred points. On the other hand, it's only five percent of an actual list. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Castellan's still so overwhelmingly powerful. I don't think a hundred points is going to be enough to dissuade people from taking it. 
Well, on the chaos side, I, I was glad to see that they're going to be rolling rules out for them uh, with Renegade Knights. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they definitely needed the uh, Renegades to have something more than just... Rotate, rotate shields and reroll. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it'd be great if they get like Renegade households or, you know, Renegade renegade traits of some kind that kind of help out a little bit. And you might see like Renegade Knight, knight Armies and... I guess if I put my, you know, financial hat on from GW, it makes a lot of sense because I mean, Knights have been selling so good for them. Yeah. So many of them out there, you might as well just say, hey, do you like chaos? Yeah, okay, here you go. You uh, guys too can have lots of big stuff. Yeah. Uh, it, it, and plus they have the, the really very nice Chaos Renegade Knight like upgrade bits that come with the uh, – box with the two knights um i was actually very impressed with what they had there though um and i I do think that seeing more renegade knights would be a nice counterbalance to just the sheer glut of imperial knights that you wind up seeing especially at tournament right but um on the topic of rules changes though something that just occurred to me while we were talking about the uh, changes to the castellan is inari uh, that yes. beast is dead. It is. Uh, this is so, the, uh, <laughs> we're going into a tournament this week, uh, this this upcoming weekend, and uh, not sorry, not this weekend, but the yeah the next weekend. weekend. Yeah, yep. is the Alamo GT in San Antonio, and um, our buddies are basically just calling it the last ride of the Inari, basically. Yep. <clears throat> now, so I, from a uh, fluff standpoint. I love Inari. Whenever their the book came out and the new models, I bought that right up, painted it the same week. I was ready to go, and then uh, people started playing it. And I realized that I did not want to play that because I did not want to receive that level of scorn. <laughs> um, so they've been sitting in the box in a corner of my apartment ever since. But the uh, new White Dwarf Codex came out, and I uh, and. Uh, completely changed how the entire armor works gone are the days of i get to move a unit twice and psychic phase a unit twice and shoot twice and charge twice and fight twice mm-hmm. nope it's all that's gone um effectively now anari what they are is a assault army for eldar uh they lose still lose out on all of their like power from pain uh the harlequins uh and ability to advance and charge um the elders ability to advance and shoot all that's they lose all that instead whenever a unit dies the entire army soul bursts and is allowed to i believe reroll charge distances um and they, they're all their entire new stratagems are built around sort of these I would say interesting interactions between if unit does this you stratagem to do this Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't really want to go in depth into it right now because one, I don't have my uh, white dwarf here. <laughs> but, uh, two, it's an entire codex, and that's a thing for another video. If Thousand Suns players think that, oh my god, the new Anari, what do they do? Um, but the big takeaways here is uh, Eldar psychers, whenever they become Anari, now do not gain the benefits of their runes of battle or runes of witnessing or. Uh, whatever Harlequins get. Instead, they now take the Inari discipline powers. Um, this sort of coincides with the change to the 
uh, runes of battle powers that they now only affect Assyriani units. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a very big change. Um, the other difference, though, is that uh, now you can just slot in of rain the Vizark or the Incarn into a Dark Eldar, Harlequin, or Craftworld army without making that detachment a Inari mm-hmm. detachment. So my understanding for this weekend coming was that they they did patch um, the fact that you or for Yunari for the most part they just they haven't lost their traits if I'm remembering this right I might need a little refresher here. Um, so my takeaway was that they do lose their traits if you make them Yunari. Uh, but that's in the White Dwarf. So we're yeah. in this weird thing so where what this came in, uh, yeah, what came um, in the FAQ is kind of like a, a precursor to the White Dwarf. So correct. we're in this weird state where we're gonna play a we're gonna play a major basically with half the rules implemented and then the other half announced and out, but not live for the tournament. So it's gonna be kind yeah. of so effectively for the tournament going in, it's the same Inari, but with the changes to the runes of battle powers and uh, doom effectively Eldar psychic powers only, well, sorry, craft world Eldar psychic powers only help craft world Eldar. Right. Um, not units that are not the Suriani. Um, well, yeah, forward, but that's still, but the thing is, is that still works because the, the white dwarf is what makes them lose the Asher or the, uh, is it yes. the, the Asurani keyword? So it seems like they're still completely functional at the level that they currently are. Um, with the exception that um, uh, Ravagers no longer benefit from Doom, which was a right. very well, that's popular... A dark yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So this week, this next t- couple tournaments are going to be weird because of yeah. the, how ITC is handling it. But then moving forward, effectively, Inari are a completely separate codex that just crib off of other codexes units. Um, they also lost the ability to take any other named characters other than Inari characters. So no more Eldred yep. running around with Inari. Yep. Well, the, on the uh, on the chaos side, it sounds like. Um, it sounds like we're going to see a lot of chaos and I think a lot of people are kind of pegging them as kind of the top army. I don't personally, I don't quite get to that point where they are the top army. I think Tau gene stealers works. Um, I think the three of them are probably at the, at the top of the hill, maybe even guard for that matter are, are up there still. Um, Knights I don't think are going anywhere just from what I've seen and people kind of adjusting to, to what's been, uh, coming out here this last week. Um, but chaos, I think is definitely going to be making a comeback here at, or chaos space Marines. Um, the, the common themes I keep hearing are people running the red Corsairs with the demon engines. So they yeah. take three of the Lord discordance. Mm-hmm. And then there's some folks that are real big on the defilers. Uh, we talked yeah. a little bit when we, uh, we did an episode a few weeks ago, uh, where we talked about the, the, statistical prevalence in lists of certain units from thousand suns mm-hmm. and defilers. We saw this weird, like experimental uptick with them right before the, um, I want to say it was right, actually right after, uh, right before LVO and right after chapter approved to come out. 
Yes. And it had, I think it had a lot to do with the fact that they, they received point drops Mm -hmm. and they're kind of that unit that becomes forgotten because they haven't had good supporting rules. And now in Vigilus Ablaze, they've, they've got that. Uh, They can advance a charge. They can get an extra two movement. Um, Mm -hmm. They've got all sorts of good mechanisms that, you know, you you get when you bring them with the, 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 the new specialist attachments. Anyways, um, it seems to be, I'm hearing that, you know, three Lord Discordants, three Defilers is kind of a core to some folks running some really, really fun armies uh, where you don't have a lot of models. You've just got these these big walking demon engines. Uh, maybe yeah. throw a Lord of Skulls in there, you know, whatever else you can pick up. Um, mm-hmm. Another thing, uh, I'm hearing the um, Chain Lord. The Black Legion yeah. Chain Lord is definitely a thing. Um, I heard somebody used that in a game and was able to, I think it was something like, oh, what did, what did it kill? I'd have to go back and find out. But he he essentially went through like five times his points worth of stuff that he killed um, versus like what the Chaos Lord ended up killing. I think it was like four or 500 points of stuff that he went through and it was just ridiculous before he was brought down. Yeah. Um, him. And then you have the, um, uh, the chain cannon havocs. Um, obviously the big issue has been just having the sprues to make the chain cannon havocs. Uh, but what you do is you take two squads of them, you give them the chain cannons and then you put both squads in a assault drill uh, Forge World Assault Drill, and you can pretty much just get them out, have them eliminate anything you want, or you could put you could put one in each drill for that matter, and just deep strike them, get them out, do whatever you want, and then the drill goes on to just you know munch on whatever it wants. Um, yeah, but that seems to be kind of some of the themes I'm hearing from where Chaos Space Marines are going. Uh, personally, the the thing that I've been doing is I'm, you know, we touched on this earlier on with Scourged. I've been having really good success with their trait. Mm-hmm. And I think where I'm at right now is Scourged, wh- when you stack them up with Red Corsairs, I think a lot of people are looking at it saying, Red Corsairs are the way to go because you get the extra command points, you can advance and charge, um, then you can get all the specialist stuff on top of it. And that's really hard to beat. Purged yeah. is really good because you're getting the, I think it's the, you get to reroll all failed hits or whatever it is you get basically army boosting against something that you killed a model in, or you did a wound to. Yeah. Um, which is pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. Scourged kind of, I think gets overlooked. They only reroll what you, you know, each unit that goes to fire can reroll one failed hit. Well, that's not very useful in a vacuum. Like if you're just looking at, all of the Chaos Space Marine traits stacking up next to each other. That doesn't bode very well. However, what I think works out really good is if you're going to make Chaos Space Marines your main, kind of like your main force in your army, that's your center point. Mm-hmm. And Red Corsairs makes a lot of sense. You can build everything on top of that. You get lots of command points and then you soup in whatever else you want on that. Scourged, in my opinion, are the opposite, where they are not your main force, but they are what you use to soup in, especially in a Zinch force, and they work very well in a Zinch army. Yeah. That, that one reroll you get with them 
if you take, let's say you're filling a battalion out, you've got three Chaos Space Marine squads, you can put a uh, rocket launcher in each, or a missile launcher in each squad. Uh, and I think if you, uh, you can even put something on your champion to help out like a combi bolter or whatever. But mm-hmm. let's say we put a missile launcher in each squad. The great thing about their trait is I can now put these squads anywhere on the map, put them in cover, put them, position them where I want. And I've got a missile launcher with a 48 inch, 48 inch range, which packs a pretty good punch. It's not quite Alaskan, but it's, it's a decent enough punch. And if I need to fire an infantry, I can fire a frag missile. Um, but they, they support themselves. So what you do is you fire the frag, the, the crack missile first. Um, you can re-roll it if you miss and then you fire your bolters and you get a free re-roll if you need to fire your bolters. Um, Mm -hmm. but essentially you can have these three missiles in the backfield for, you know, filling out, having to fill out your battalion. You now make these troop choices become useful in your army. Uh, whereas like in a red Corsair's army, you might have that one big blob that you're trying to do that gimmick of, Hey, I can redeploy them for three CP. I, I honestly don't. I don't know how often that's going to work out the way it should. Uh, maybe I'm just not giving it the credit it's due, but I think that's something that you dump a lot of points into and it's kind of like, all right, great. You know, I got a lot of bolter shots. So maybe against orcs, it works really good, but otherwise mm-hmm. I've got this big chaos, chaos space Marine blob that I've got to deal with. But uh, yeah, I think, I think the nice thing about the scourged is I've got these units that can sit and they don't have to be supported, which means my HQ slots can then be dedicated to things like the Lord discordance or, you know, whatever else I want to, to synergize with the rest of my army. Yeah. So that's just kind of where I'm, where I'm at looking at things right now. It just, uh, it's going to be good this uh, this next upcoming weekend. And then the following week, I'm actually going out to the Bay area open. Oh, oh! so I will be out there. Uh, I think uh, there might be some other folks, uh, other Thousand Suns folks out there. I'm on the fence right now, whether I'm going to take a pure Thousand Suns list or I'm going and go for best overall uh, Thousand Suns, or do I stick with the same list I'm running? So hopefully we'll get a chance next week to talk a little bit about that, get an idea what the plans are and get a, get a preview of not only Alamo, but Bay Area Open. Yeah, though you know, if you're not running all Thousand Suns, you're not really running the Thousand Suns list. Yes, <laughs> that's why it's classified as Zinch. So this weekend, I'm I'm or this next weekend, I'm in a very small pool. Uh, there there haven't been a lot of people, I think, playing pure Zinch armies. Uh, so yeah. I think it's kind of like a nice. I'll just go hide in a smaller pond for now. Yeah, <laughs> from a, from a scoring standpoint, I look uh-huh. at. When you look at Thousand Suns, you've got Jim Vessel, uh, Matt Ali just won a major. I, I, from what I understand, he's probably bringing the same list with the with the Rubric Marines to Alamo. Yeah. Um, you know that that's going to be tough to beat. Uh, mm-hmm. You know Vessel's a, a very tough tough uh, a mark to beat as well. And then mm-hmm. uh, you know you look over on the Chaos side, well. The way Vessel's running his army, that's a chaos army. So now he's starting to, you know, accumulate a lot of points there as well. And he's already, I think, overall in the standings, he's overall over a thousand at this point. And to yeah. give you an idea, I've I've got almost my max games in, I think, for Thousand Suns, and I'm at like four hundred something. Wow. So it's 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 a uphill climb. Like I'd I'd have to like win a major 
to, to even have like a breathing shot of best overall for thousand suns. So not mm-hmm. necessarily changing my army to go fight in that smaller pond, but more just kind of, Hey, it's convenient. Um, there aren't a lot of people just playing pure zinch. Um, I kind of realized that the synergies I had worked pretty dang good. So let's just roll with it for a bit and see what happens. Yeah. Fair enough. So, well guys with that, uh, Oh, am I forgetting something, Mike? Um, well, Magnus did nothing wrong. Oh, that's right. Magnus did nothing wrong. <laughs> Alrighty. See y'all next time. <laughs>